Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a bitch. But don't be afraid. That's why we give you weekend fantasy update. Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Jogalina and George Kurtz together on a Saturday afternoon. Thanks for taking a little time out of your weekend. Spend it with us. George Kurtz, it's been a while since we've been on air together. I missed you, buddy. I missed you. Yeah, you and I used to have uh, all the fun of the late football games on uh, on yeah. Sunday during uh, the 2017 season. So uh, it's been a few months. How you been, Joe? I've been uh, lonely without you. Oh, <laughs> you're you're just so sweet. Yeah, lonely. I'm sure you've been thinking about me late at night. That's uh, a, <laughs> well, a scary well, thought. That that is a scary thought. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the the last time we kind of. Uh, had any uh, communication, I, I cut you off because you sent me over a video of uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, off of YouTube. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, we were discussing uh, the Cowboys, uh, I guess the songs. You know, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, like the Bears had the Super Bowl shuffle from uh, 85, right, and the Cowboys right. had the uh, – Cowboy equivalent. The, yeah, but, uh, well, actually, the Cowboy thing came out first. It was back in, I'd say, the early 80s with uh, a new hat for Coach Landry. Right, right, right. Don't ever send that to me again, please. <laughs> but uh, – so uh, we're smack dab in the middle of uh, fantasy baseball season. And uh, also, I mean, we're right around the corner, really, from the start of uh, football, fantasy football season, man. Can you believe it? I mean, uh, and I keep on saying this, but football has made themselves a, a year-round sport at these days. Oh, uh, I can certainly believe it. I'm in the middle of a draft. Uh, it's a dynasty draft. And by uh-huh. dynasty, it's, it's a league that's been around for, I don't know, six, seven years. So we're just drafting rookies. It's only a six-round draft. We're in, we are in round three, I believe. And it's a uh, 32-team league. Uh, Mike Blewett's in it as well. I believe so is Mike Florio. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other guys might be uh, there. I'm not completely positive. I've got 32 teams, two, uh, wow. two, two conferences just like the NFL. You're not playing against 32 teams. It is two separate conferences. We right. only play each other in the Super Bowl, so you could have, you know, the the team in the South Conference could have the same players as the team in the North Conference. Interesting. So you, okay. Yeah, it's fun, but it's 40-man rosters, IDP, and mm-hmm. we actually start more IDP than we do offensive players. So you you, uh, you need to know your stuff, bottom line here. Oh, and yeah. my, my first two picks have been uh, a linebacker and a defensive end in uh, rounds one and two, mainly because uh, – I've uh, I have the 16th last pick in the, each round as I've uh, I made it to the Super Bowl back to back years lost back to back years got Todd Gurley last year Joe not happy mm-hmm, but hey mm-hmm. I got destroyed and I'm of a belief you know if I'm gonna lose lose big yeah, you know, yeah. I got he crushed me Gurley he had a, you know I lost by over I think 100 points so it wasn't like I could go well you know if I just would have done this nope right, I got right, crushed right, it right. didn't matter what I did I think I, if I could have picked my team after 
the games were over, I still would have lost. Yeah, you have a good point there. I mean, uh, when you're losing by a lot, it's not like you could go back and say, well, if I would have played player A or player B instead of this guy, I mean, I would have had a chance. Uh, I get your point where if you're going to lose, might as well get smacked around. Lose big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> lose big and go home, right? I, I remember I, I was in a, um, in a league a few years back. This is way back, to tell you the truth. Uh, and I had a team that was kind of a, f- a fantasy football team. It was decent. You know, it kind of overachieved. And I snuck into the playoffs. And the, in the first round, I played the juggernaut of the league, right? And I was expected to lose. So this was the days when, yeah, it was on. We played on CBS Sports. Uh, but we also did our scoring manually, right? So it ends up, I play this first in the uh, first round of the playoffs. And my team just goes off. It just goes <laughs> off. And I end up beating this guy by one point. And I'm going to tell you that, you know, he was so upset. Uh, we, there was about four or five different, uh, you know, double-checking using different newspapers, you know, the Newsday, the New York Post, the Daily News, just to make sure that I really had won by a point. And uh, so, so, you know, I, I could kind of stands with your story about, hey, if, you, if you're going to lose, lose big. If not, you know, you have that one-point difference, it, it, it kills you. But oh, it does. <laughs> of course it does, because, you, you, like I said, you lost by a point. You're going over well, everything won, you did. I won by did. a point. He, he, it, but the, I wasn't supposed to. I mean, like I said, his team was just supposed to kill mine. So, well, that's... That's uh, the great thing about a head-to-head league. It, I mean, you're supposed to kill all you want, but in the end, anything can happen in that one game. That's why That's why we always say football, there's more luck involved in football than there is in baseball. It's probably mm-hmm. also why football is much bigger uh, fantasy game because yeah. it's one day a week, you know, anybody can really win. Baseball, you have to pay attention daily, game right, in, right. game and basketball and hockey for that matter as well, same kind mm-hmm. of game. Uh, football, I know we play football on Thursdays and Mondays. Okay, I get it, but for the <laughs> most part, you can set your lineup on, you know, Tuesday morning and be done with it if you wanted to. You're not going to be very successful that way, but you could do it. Right, right. And, and like you said, I mean, baseball is a it's a, gruel, a grueling uh, sport to, to play fantasy in, uh, you know, six and plus months. And, uh, you know, I mean, if your team is doing poorly now, I mean, we're in the middle of, of May, but you still have time to, to make some moves, some trades, uh, to, to get your team back in shape at this stage. But football, you blink and, and the season's over. Yeah, well, football is a, is a sprint. You know, the right. marathon sprint debate. Uh, football is mm-hmm. absolutely a sprint. Uh, I mean, you got 13 weeks. You start mm-hmm. off 0-4, and you're in trouble. Right. You know, you really need to win baseball. You know, I, I tend to use it as the uh, the holidays are the markers for me. Mm-hmm. First two months up until Memorial Day, I'm judging my team. What do I need? You know, no matter when you release somebody, it's a small sample size. Right. You know, you're not really uh, – you're doing more educated guessing. But by Memorial Day, if a player's not hitting – you know, that I drafted early on, all right, I may, I may have to move on here. You know, do I need a certain category? Do I need to get speed? Do I need more power? Do I need more strikeouts? Whatever it might be. That's mm-hmm. when I start to worry about it. Anything at the Memorial Day, it's tough to fix your ratios because mm-hmm. you're getting so many innings. It's tough to move them up or down by a significant amount because they're sort of getting entrenched in stone there. So you've got to be careful with that. Uh, and then the next two months, like up until Memorial Day to July 4th, that's not making changes, you know, mm-hmm. judging my team. What, do, do what I got to do. After mm-hmm. July 4th, maybe making some trades. Uh, that's just how I judge. I, don't want, I never want to give up on a player too soon. Mm-hmm. But, uh, for instance, I'm done with Ian Desmond. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm moving on. You know, I, had, I think I have in a league or two. That's it. Really, I got rid of them both, or I'm about to get rid of them on Fab on Sunday. Moving on. I've had enough. 
I think I've seen enough to where he's just not going to do it for me. Colorado was home all. I, I was giving him this week because Colorado had nothing but home games this week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's still not getting it done. So I'm moving on. Mm, batting 180, six home runs, 17 runs batted in. Uh, are you just outright dropping him? Yes, I'm. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've had it. And mm-hmm. I'm done. Have you, have you put him out there, like dangled him out there to see if you could get something at all? I mean, he's, be, he still has name recognition. He does, but no one's paying anything for him. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm not. Uh, this is these are not leagues that are public. These are industry leagues. No one's going to uh, uh, give me anything. You can't make a trade anyway. Right. I right. mean, uh, I play about a half a dozen leagues uh, of regular leagues, and trading nowadays. It's been this way for probably a decade now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trading is difficult. Because everyone's worried about talking heads like you and I right. criticizing the trade. Oh, you're an idiot. How did you not talk to us before? You, you know, that sort of th- uh, thing. Mm-hmm. And I get it. But uh, trading, you know, when I first started playing fantasy in the late 80s, trading was fun. It's one of the biggest part of it, trying to make a deal. You know, but nowadays it's very difficult because everybody, Joe, wants to win a trade. Absolutely. No one wants to make yep. a fair deal. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to win. If they don't feel they want it, they're not making the deal. You know, it, it, no matter how much, no matter how you explain to them how it makes sense to them, which I've, I've done in some leagues, and uh, and they just won't do it. And playing in my home league because of what I do, because of this show and the writing, no one will make a deal because they automatically assume that if right. I'm making a deal, that I know something. Right. That right, I'm gonna, right, you know, right. it's like it's impossible for me to make a deal. Then mm-hmm. they just all assume, it's, even though it's some deals I make, I'm well aware that I'm on as a perfect deal I'm making. You know, if I trade Joe Galeen to player A and I get a player back from player B, I'm well aware that I lost a deal. Mm-hmm. But it's another player I can pick up right. that'll help me, which means it has nothing to do with the deal. You won the deal. I'm just picking somebody else up mm-hmm. off the waiver wire. That uh, it opens up a roster spot for me or a space on my team. And uh, but you know, people don't get that. Either. They just automatically assume that if I'm making the deal with them, you know, in my home leagues, oh god, he know he must know something. He must have some inside information. <laughs> More than, usually, it's not true. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I believe it helps my team, but it may end up helping your team more. It's just how I approach deals. Not every mm-hmm. deal do I make do I think uh, I'm getting the better of the trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to keep on talking about trades, but I just want to let our uh, listeners know in the second segment, we have uh, Jim McLennan coming on uh, board with us. He's the founder and editor of the Arizona Snake Pit. They cover the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, I'm going to talk to him uh, about uh any effects that he's noticed about the humidor? Uh, lots of stuff with the Diamondbacks as well. Paul Goldschmidt slumping. Uh, and uh, so we'll have him on uh, after the break. But when you talk about trades, you're absolutely right. It's kind of – it was a, a fun thing to to do when you first got into to, to fantasy, right? I mean, that was the, the whole thing of, of being uh, – playing the role of a general manager, right? But uh, you, everyone is so knowledgeable these days – uh, you know, not only with uh, all the content that guys like you and I uh, spew out there and uh, the Internet, of course, you know, you could just find whatever you want there. But I had somebody come to me. I, I have, I'm in a 15-teamer. It's uh, the great fantasy baseball invitational. Uh, Justin Mason, who you could hear on the network, he started it. And uh, it's a group of 15 leagues. And I'm, I'm kind of languishing a bit. Like, I, I go from, like, 10th to 12th. So I, I, got, I have to make some moves, right? So somebody comes to me. Uh, I have Edwin Diaz and Brandon Morrow. Now, you're the uh, closer guru, right? So uh, you write the closer report every week for the RotorExperts.com. So uh, somebody in my league came to me and offered me Reynaldo Lopez, starting pitcher for the White Sox, and Evan Longoria, third baseman for the, for the uh, Giants, for Brandon Morrow. And, uh, you know, I mean... Really didn't excite me. What what does that deal do for you? Anything? 
Well, it's not a bad offer. No, you no, know, it, no, it's not. Uh, it's not I mean, insulting. No, no, it's not insulting. Uh, I mean, it depends how badly you need a third baseman with Longoria, who's you know, mm. I think he's got seven home runs. The power is somewhat there. He's on pace for twenty-five or so, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, Lopez, uh, a guy who has talent, maybe not going to realize it for a season or two. It probably comes down to this: how badly do you need a third baseman? And what? What about saves? Can you co- recover from losing Morrow? Mm-hmm. You know, offhand. I think you put it perfectly. It doesn't excite me. It's not a deal I'm going, oh, accept. i got to hit accept right away. It's not that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't see a denial right away. I think this is, uh, could be a working point where maybe you can do a, do a counter offer here and maybe get a, a little bit better starting pitches where I would look at, assuming that you could afford to lose the saves. Yeah. Well, in general, this team, uh, I'm pretty decent in starting pitching, need offense, right? A third baseman, I mean, I don't have a great third baseman. I've been uh, putting in – Jerko, and I have uh, Nunez, who's also eligible at third base. I mean, I have options, but really, what I need is is a is a is a bopper, right? Which is some uh, some some power there. So I came back, and and you you're right. It's you, you could work off of it, right? So I mean, I I went crazy, and I suggested uh, Edwin Diaz for Altuve, or Edwin Diaz for Cody Bellinger. I just testing the waters there. I I knew it was going to be rejected, but in the end, uh, he kind of also needed a, uh, a middle infielder. So I came back to him and said, "Hey, how about Brandon Morrow and Chad Pinder uh, for Eddie Rosario and Marcus Simeon?" Uh, you know, that's my starting point. I mean, I'm willing to upgrade there, and I and I understand that probably. I mean, he obviously rejected it. We're still kind of working back and forth, but. Uh, but uh, what, what do you think about uh, guys like Eddie Rosario and Marcus Simeon? I mean, Rosario's been hot lately. He has. He's he's a bopper. He's got some power. He's something like a guy I'd be looking at. Yeah, I'd certainly like that trade better for you. And like <laughs> I said, it, it, you, may be, you may be able to find a common ground there. I, I don't mm-hmm. blame the other guy for uh, declining it. I would have as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, But there may be some common ground you can work out there. And that's the most important thing here. You know, you really didn't. You wanted a bopper. That's what you're looking yeah. for. you got to let yeah. him know that or yeah, her yeah. know that. You know, yeah, hey, yeah. I, don't, I don't need you. I need power. And you go right, from there. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, both these guys, Rosario could hit a home run and steal a base, and so could Marcus Simeon, a shortstop for the A's. But uh, we'll talk We'll talk more about uh, trades, waiver wire work, and we're going to be talking football as well, hour two. Uh, but coming up, we have Jim McLennan, the editor of Arizona Snake Pick, talking uh, Diamondbacks baseball. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. 
we have got uh, Jim McLennan uh, with us. Uh, before that, just want to uh, ask you if, if you've heard about uh, DailyRotor.com, Dollar Month here on the network. I uh, just wanted to put it in context for you. Let's say that you buy a lottery ticket. You pay a dollar, pick a bunch of numbers, and that's it. You then clutch the ticket and hope. Now let's say that you try DailyRoto.com Dollar Month. Uh, you pay your dollar, get access for 30 days, and you're transported into a world that has produced five millionaires. Take destiny into your own hands. Go to DailyRoto.com and enter the code $1. That's DailyRoto.com and enter the code $1. Uh, so I just want to welcome uh, Jim McClellan uh, to the program. He's been uh, with on the uh, air with us before, as recently as uh, as February. Jim, how you doing? Not too bad. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, great. Thanks for taking uh, a few minutes out of your weekend to join us. You are the founder and editor of the Arizona Snake Pit. Just uh, before you go. Uh, how do our listeners find you, either on Twitter or the, the specific website address uh, to the Arizona Snake Pit? Yeah, it's uh, azsnakepit.com is the site. It's uh, part of the SB Nation uh, network of, uh, of sites. Also on uh, Twitter at azsnakepit. There you go. There you go. So uh, when we spoke to you uh, in uh, February, I mean, everyone was wondering – uh, about the effects of that humidor, <laughs> what it was going to be, right? So um, looking at uh, right now uh, in their home games, uh, when you look at the Diamondbacks last season, uh, throughout a full season, they were scoring 5.64 runs per game. This season, it's uh, 3.66 runs per game. It's a very small sample size, but do we read into this at all? Is it a humidor effect or is it too early to tell? I mean, I think all the indications are is that the, the humidor is having a, a very significant effect on on scoring. Um, I mean, obviously, the uh, scoring is down a, a little bit across uh, all of the league, but the, the difference that's uh, it's happening at, at Chase Field is, is, is a great deal more significant, I think. Uh, uh, through 20 games uh, last year, they'd scored over uh, you know, a total of more than 200 runs have been scored at Chase Field by, by both sides. This year, through 20 games, the total is only uh, is only 138, so it's like a drop of about a, a third in, in the scoring that's, that's gone through so far, uh, and, and we're seeing it kind of all all uh, all over the place. I mean, ERA is down a, a, a little bit around the league generally, but the ERA at Chase Field, the game for both sides, is down about a run and a half uh, through the first 20 games compared to what it was over the all of 2017. So it definitely seems to be having a, a very significant effect in terms of uh, in terms of. Uh, uh, turning Chase Field from what used to be a, a very good hitters park into something which is now one of the one of the more almost extreme pitchers parks in the league. Jim, it's been reported that Patrick Corbett has lost a couple of miles over his fastball of late. Any reason to be concerned here? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, he said that there's not really any particular issue. It may just be a, a kind of short sort of dead arm phase. Uh, it, it, it does seem to be having some kind of an impact on his uh, his uh, his performance. He's getting uh, uh, his slider, which has been his kind of go-to pitch this year and, and responsible for a lot of his success, uh, didn't seem to be anywhere near as effective in the last couple of starts. Uh, it's only something that I would be, be inclined to keep an eye on. There doesn't appear, from what the team has said, to be any kind of real physical reasons for it, although we're obviously hoping that uh, uh, that doesn't indeed turn out to be the case. But it's, it's definitely something which uh, has been concerning uh, fans on this end. Hey, hey, Jim, um, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, I mean, what's going on with him? I mean, uh, you know, entering last night's game, uh, most recent games, one of those, uh, in his thir- past 13 games, excuse me, batting 106, 
222 on base percentage, just a 128 slugging percentage as a reason. Uh, 30% strikeout rate, which is not like him. I mean, his hard hit rate is uh, down about 8%. I mean, is this just a, a, a bad slump? Uh, is it, uh, again, the humidor effect? I mean, what we noticed uh, in in the preseason was, uh, you know, fantasy players were drafting him slightly uh, lower. Uh, he was still a first-round guy, uh, but uh, they were taking him a little later in drafts. I mean, uh, should we be worried about the long term, or, I mean, the cream always rises to the top? What do you think? I, it, it's, it's one of the most strange things this year is it has been Goldschmidt's uh, performance. I, I do have to wonder if the humidor is perhaps uh, having an impact, simply because um, the, the, the slump in his overall numbers is almost entirely down to what's happening at home. His, his road OPS is, is now 910, which is almost exactly where his career, uh, career performance is. His career mm-hmm. number there is, is 904. It's, um, but it's his, his home fit. Which are you know, previously last, you know, through the last of his career, he's been hitting 944 at Chase as, as an OPS. This year, it's it's like in the 500. So, so I, I do kind of wonder if the humidor is for some reason affecting him more than you know other players. You know, you know AJ Pollock, for example, seems to have no trouble hitting uh, hitting balls out of the park at Chase, uh, being the player of the month uh, in the National League last uh, last month. But uh, but Goldschmidt definitely, yeah, the, uh, the 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 amount of contact is down a little bit. The quality of the contact is way down. He's, he seems to be hitting the ball a lot softer, and and even um, you know uh, when he's getting hits, they seem to almost to be, be be bloops rather than the 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 hard hit balls that we've seen. I and mean, we are hopeful, you know, with a couple of hard hit balls that were turned into outs last night. So it may just be a question of a slump. And certainly, you know, you know, we've had five years of of MVP quality performance from him. So it would be silly to kind of write uh, uh, write him off on the basis of a bad uh, bad month or so. So uh, right. we're going to keep our fingers crossed that he can turn the corner. I don't think there's reason to panic yet, but uh, mm-hmm. if uh, if somebody was to offer you Paul Goldschmidt uh, uh, in a trade at a discount, I would certainly be uh, be all over that. Jim, uh, Jake Lamb, uh, do we have any kind of timetable on when he might return? It seems like he's been out. It, seems like he has, it doesn't even seem like he's played this season. Any thought news on Jake Lamb when he might return to the lineup? Yeah, Lamb's uh, pretty much uh, missed the entire season. Last I uh, last I heard about him, he was kind of a, a, an aggressive throwing program, for want of a a, a better uh, a better term. Um, there, there is hope that he may be going on a, a rehab assignment this weekend. We we uh, we did uh, bring uh, Stephen Souza back recently. We didn't bother putting him on a rehab assignment, and that did seem to have a bit of a negative impact. It took a few games for him to to get back into the swing of things. He, he was like over ten or over twelve before he got his first hit. Um, so I think it probably is not a bad thing that, that that Lamb could be going on a rehab assignment, and hopefully might be back by the end of next week. But we're still uh, still waiting for any you know uh, official declaration of, of where he's going to be playing. When he comes back, uh, Daniel Descalco, uh, he's been serviceable, I guess. Does his role go away, or uh, Diamondback's going to find a way to keep his bat in the lineup? Descalco is an interesting, uh, interesting character. He's, I mean, his, his his overall career numbers aren't great, but he's he's had a reputation, and it, it seems entirely to be justified for for having that mythical clutch ability, which. Uh, it was exemplified particularly uh, in the recent series against Los Angeles when he had a, a three-run homer in the, in the in the 12th inning. That just seems to be the way that he works. His, his, his numbers in, in, in clutch and high-leverage situations just seem to be impeccable. Uh, 
uh, when Lamb comes back, he's obviously going to become the everyday starter at third base. Descalso might then become a bit more of a roaming kind of guy, getting some starts at third, getting some starts uh, other places around the infield, might even start in the outfield now and again. I think uh, the Diamondbacks will, will still uh, uh, get his at-bats, and they want to uh, make use of that uh, that mythical clutch ability yeah, while it lasts, definitely. And uh, he'll, he's... He, he's still going to get some playing time, but it will be decreased when when Lamb returns. I would uh, expect. Uh, keeping on the injury uh, talk here, uh, yeah, Jake Lamb maybe next week. How about Rob Ray? How is he looking? Yeah, yeah, Ray is, uh, Ray was uh, um, out with a, a strained uh, uh, oblique, as if I remember correctly. Uh, he's uh, still some way off, I think, at the moment. He's uh, only kind of really really started uh, uh, playing catch a little bit recently. So uh, I would think he's probably going to be about another month off would probably be my guess before we actually see him back. Again, there'll be a bit of a rehab uh, rehab assignment needed before he can come back to the rotation. But uh, um, it would be very kind of uh, helpful for the Diamondbacks to, to get him back because the rotation is an area in which they, they've certainly been struggling. They've been forced to dig down into their depth much further uh, than they would uh, they would want, particularly this early in the season. So, so getting Ray back will be a good thing. But I I don't think they're going to rush him. This isn't the kind of injury that they, uh, they you want to try and rush. Uh, uh, Zach Granke had something similar last year, and it caused him to miss about six weeks. So I think the overall timetable for Ray would be uh, somewhere along those lines. Now you mentioned Granke. I mean, I was looking at his splits: uh, 1.72 home ERA and 7.27 uh, away from Chase Field. I mean, uh, uh, go back to that humidor uh, question again. I mean, uh, I mean is this a, a humidor-generated uh, uh, split? I mean, uh, how, how, I, I'm... Yeah, I'm sure he's, he's he's very happy with the humidor. Put it that way. I, mean, <laughs> right. yeah. I, I do have to kind of yeah. I mean, they say that kind of splits. I mean, he's, he's generally. I mean, he was doing that last year as well. I think his splits last year were maybe not quite as extreme, but he certainly pitched uh, pitched pretty well at Chase Field, from what I uh, what I remember. Uh, this year, obviously, it's become a, a great deal more more significant. Uh, uh, if anybody can take advantage of the humidor effect, it's going to be somebody that's cranky who 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 digs into things and 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 has a very kind of intellectual process to to his pitching. Uh, he's always been, uh, you know, fairly, uh, fairly flyball uh, 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 skewed, and I think that's kind of where the humidor is going to help because uh, uh, the, the fly balls that might previously have left the park are, are now going to be more likely to be dropping into the outfielder's gloves. And uh, while he still allowed his, his share of home runs, then uh, uh, I think he's also seeing a, a few more of those hard hit balls turning into outs in the outfield. So that's definitely helping him. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it, it, it's interesting that the team had been talking about putting the humidor in for years, but it's only after they, they signed Granky to the, the biggest contract in team history that the, the idea became a reality. And I, I wonder if, if perhaps he, he might have had some input into the process. I can't say for sure, but it's it's an interesting uh, coincidence and timing that they, they actually uh, implemented it not long after uh, giving him that $200 million contract. Jim, with the, ret- uh, with the return of Steven Souza. How are they going to get Chris Owings in the lineup? They're going to need an injury. Are they a super utility guy, or is Owings just left out in the cold here? Owings, Owings was always intended to be uh, very much a super utility guy, and uh, when Souza returns, then uh, that's more or less what is his role is is going to return to be. He's going to get some starts in the outfield, uh, probably you know, platooning uh, kind of areas will be the kind of main uh, the main way that I think we would end up going with uh, with Chris Owings. But he's also going to get some starts uh, probably at uh, at second base. Um, 
and and uh, potentially even at, at shortstop as well. They're, they're going to keep him him shuffling around. Again, the playing time will will probably decline with a uh, with the reduction in the number of outfield starts he gets, but he'll uh, he'll probably still get a, a a reasonable amount of playing time. I would I would expect. It's going to be tough for them to find uh, a way to get his bat in the lineup. But uh, I always like to look at the uh, minor leaguers and, and a guy that uh, has been on the radar for the past eh, couple of years. Uh, got injured, though, was uh, Socrates Brito. And if you look at his numbers, man, he's tearing it up in the PCL, batting uh, 341. Uh, he's got a little pop, could steal some bases. Uh, do the Diamondbacks still envision him as part of their future? Um, Brito, kind of, there, was a, there was a time a couple of years ago, 2016, I want to say, he played in, uh, uh, he got some significant playing time, and it looked like he was going to be become the go-to guy, but for whatever reason, the, the new front office under Mike Hazen just doesn't seem as, uh, as, uh, as, as high on Brito, and he hasn't actually played at all in, in 2017 or, or in 2018, so it almost seems like he's become the, the forgotten guy at the team. Now, obviously, he is playing in Reno, uh, and uh, the numbers that he's been putting up there you know, need to be significantly reduced, probably uh, close to 100 points on, on batting average and a couple hundred on OPS, <laughs> just, just purely because of uh, the, the, the PCL. Seriously, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the PCL effect. I mean, we, we actually yeah. did, a look at, did look at that on the snake pit. And we compared uh, players who had had, had bats, had bats in the PCL and in the, the minor leagues, and, uh, uh, sorry, and in the major leagues as well. And uh, the drop in OPS averaged out at about 200 points. Uh, it's it just such wow. a phenomenally good uh, good hitters league there. So uh, uh, seeing the numbers that he's putting up in Reno uh, are impressive, but you have to kind of take them with a pinch of salt. We've we've seen players put up those kind of numbers before, and then they come up to the major leagues, and the results are uh, are certainly significantly dampened by that. Um, but I don't know exactly why the team doesn't uh, doesn't particularly uh, appear to rate him anymore. They say they didn't play him at all last year, and it doesn't look like he's particularly high on the depth chart this year. Um, you, know, you know, we've obviously signed Jared Dyson, we signed uh, Stephen Souza, so that kind of pushed him down the the, the pack sure. a little bit. I think it'll probably take uh, significant injuries for him to actually receive uh, receive playing time this year. I, I I can't honestly tell you why the the team doesn't appear to to like him, but he has uh, fallen out of the favor with the new front office. Jim, I understand, Joe, so this question may be a little unfair, but are you hearing anything about the team, what upgrades they may be looking for by the trade deadline, or where do you think they should be looking at as far as an upgrade of a playoff push in the second half of the season? There's been uh, a lot of discussion. Um, you know, we, we've kind of... Uh, some fans want us to go after Manny Machado at shortstop. Uh, the, the, the price for that is is, is kind of the, the the major sticking point. We don't really want to risk crippling uh, crippling the farm system for for a guy who's going to basically be a three month rental. I don't think there's any way that the team will be able to re-sign him as a free agent. Um, starting pitching would 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 be the area which which might be in need of an upgrade. But to some extent, that depends on the the whole injury situation as far as that goes. You know, we're we're down to pretty much. I think today we're starting Troy Scribner, who I would have said was probably about our number nine starter before the the, the season began. But we've we've already lost Robbie Ray, we've lost Taiwan Walker, we've lost uh, uh, Braden Shipley as, as well. So we've had to kind of really dig down deep there now. Uh, you know, we hopefully we'll be getting Robbie Ray back. Uh, Shelby Miller is kind of the wild card uh, situation mm. there. He's yeah, he's coming back from Tommy him. John surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, he's easy to forget. He hasn't he hasn't pitched in uh, in uh, more than a year now. But he's he he threw uh, three innings in uh, kind of an extended uh, spring training game at our uh, at our complex uh, Salt River Fields uh, just yesterday, and that seemed to go well. So he'll uh, probably be coming back, I would imagine, in a, you know, a month or two. And that's obviously going to be almost the equivalent of a, of a, of a trade deadline pickup. But, um, 
but you just never really know with Tommy John surgeries. Uh, you know, when people come back, uh, how effective are they going to be? How how quickly are they going to be effective as well? Um, so that's going to be the you know the, the factor that kind of decides. I think they'll wait and see uh, if he comes back, how he comes back, how the uh, how the uh, rotation then looks at that point, and then uh, if uh, it's it's still a weakness, and we may you know go out and try and acquire a, a starting pitcher at the deadline. So you think that uh, Matt Cook is basically just a uh, band-aid at this stage? Because I'm looking at his numbers, 4.54 ERA in the minor leagues, but 2.43 uh, this season so far, uh, five starts. Uh, I mean, it doesn't strike out many uh, many batters, doesn't miss uh, too many bats, but uh, I, 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 they don't think of him as a long-term fix, do they? Yeah, I'd be very impressed with Mike Cook. Mike Cook, he's uh, he's had the the, the hellish uh, pitching matchups from hell. Really, his, his his last three starts. He started last night against Max Scherzer. The one before that was against Justin Verlander, and the one before that was against Clayton Kershaw. And he, you know, the, the, the Diamondbacks won two of those games, and, and he kept us in the third one. He, he's done absolutely everything you would ask for. But I mean, you're right. I mean, his 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 peripheral numbers, his strikeout to walk ratio, they just don't really scream. Uh, long-term success, but uh, he seems to be able to mix up his pitches very well. None of his, his pitches are particularly overpowering, but he's, he, he seems to be able to keep the, the batters guessing and keep them off balance, and, and that's kind of played a significant factor in his success. Now, how long he can he can keep doing that is is, is a very interesting question. I think he's, he's either going to need to start striking out a few more batters or, or walking a, a, a few less. And, uh, you know, if he's able to do that, then the, then the success will continue. But uh, I think the, the way he's going at the moment is kind of almost like walking on eggshells. He's Gave up a few uh, long, uh, long balls, uh, hard hit balls last night, but that a humidor might have helped uh, him, uh, him stay in the game there. All right, Jim, we appreciate you coming on. Jim McLennan, founder, editor of Arizona Snake Pit. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Pleasure talking and to we'll you guys. Be- All right, we'll be back with more.
If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product.
Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Great spot from uh, Jim McLennan. Always does a great job. Just want to mention uh, he had been on with us uh, in February. We ran out of time uh, in a, his first uh, guest spot with us this year. So I, I emailed him after his guest spot because we never got to talk about the closer situation. And uh, he predicted at that stage, uh, you know, some people were thinking that Archie Bradley was going to be the closer. But, uh, you know, he uh, predicted uh, correctly that Brad Boxberger was going to be the uh, the Diamondbacks closer. And he's doing a great job so far and uh, uh, good stuff from uh, Jim McLennan. Yeah, I think we see with the Arizona closer situation is that Bradley may be the better pitcher, but he's also more beneficial to the team because he can pitch multiple innings. And we're right. seeing that with a lot of pitchers. Hayter in Milwaukee is this, uh, sort of the same thing there. Uh, mm-hmm. But Patantis used to be with the Yankees. Now he's pretty Oof. much bad no matter where you throw him in there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, guys who could pitch, you know, maybe maybe get an out or two in the seventh or even a complete seventh and the eighth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's more important than just uh, uh, closing the ninth inning of a game. That, let's face it, uh, three-run lead, you bottom of a lineup, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it's not just not important. So that's the uh, the trick there. So you know, hey, uh, good good going uh, for uh, for Boxberger there. I would have liked to have asked him. Uh, I, I thought about it too late. But about the new, they're going to build a new ballpark in Arizona. What's wrong with the Bob man? I kind of like that park. And how they're going to go build a new one? I'm uh, I don't understand that in Texas either. What's wrong with that ballpark where you need to build a new one so short? And it's not like this, these parks are around 40, 50 years. Right, right, like, right. Right, I mean, so I, I don't know. I, I kind of like both those. Par- I'm, I'm a park guy, Joe. You mm-hmm. know, I'll watch games because of the park. Like mm-hmm. I'm a Yankee fan, but I love watching games in Fenway. I just oh, love yeah. the the nuances, have uh, you been there? yards. No, I have not. It's uh, def- definitely a bucket list thing. Uh, yeah, and yeah. by being a fan, I want to sit in the. Uh, even though I'm afraid of heights, I want to sit in the monster <laughs> seats. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I I might be a little uh, a little afraid up there, but I want to sit in the monster seats there. But that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I've been to Fenway a couple times, and then uh, we did like a. Uh, college tour in boston a few years back with my daughter and you could actually walk there's like an entrance where you walk uh into the street level but you're uh behind the green monster and there's like a bar that has like a window where you could actually <laughs> watch the game so i mean it, it, it you know like you i, I like ballparks and i kind of like the older ones and there are fewer and fewer uh around these days but there's a lot of history i mean I, you know, as a Yankee fan, we're supposed to hate the Red Sox, but in a kind of weird kind of way, you, I kind of respect the Red Sox organization. They've they've been competitive for so many years, and it's almost like the Batman versus Joker thing. We need each other. We feed off. Fantasy each other. has changed that, though. I mean, yeah. I, I know for me it has. Uh, I'm a Yankee fan. You know, and I, listen, I want the Yankees to win, the Cowboys to win, the Islanders to win, but. Fantasy has changed all that. I need the, my Red Sox players <laughs> to hit, you know, right, or Chris right, Sale right, to right. pitch well, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, I mean, listen, I, I, of course I can't stand the Red Sox. And when the Yankees play the Sox, I want them to win. I want them to win during the week. But, you know, I'm uh, maybe Mookie Betts, I could have used a home run here and there. Right, right, you know, right. You know, we don't want the best of both worlds. I want my fantasy teams to do well and the Yankees to win. So uh, it, it's changed. I'm probably not the fan I used to be. Uh, right. As far as, you know, where it's all out, uh, I think football really comes into mind there because it's that, that one day a week. When the Cowboys mm-hmm. lost, it used to be, oh, that week was miserable. You yeah. had to wait six, seven more days for another game. <laughs> right. Yeah, but right. nowadays, you know, and nowadays it's like I, maybe I've gotten older. You know, I have to have mm-hmm. the kids now too. You have more uh, important things to worry about. Where you, and maybe it's because the Cowboys just uh, 
I get angry about ownership. You know, Jerry Jones, I think, is nuts. Uh, the Islanders mm-hmm. don't even talk to me about it. The Yankees are run pretty well. But uh, when I see that, that also uh, – when, when you can see ownership making so many mistakes – Mm-hmm. And they won't admit it, and they do the same mistakes over and over again. We all know Jerry Jones shouldn't be GM. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're a hockey fan at all, the Islanders are a complete joke. I, I wish I could have the job security of Garth Snow and have Mike mm-hmm. Cardano just keep paying me more and more money and never fire me. <laughs> that, that'd be fantastic. Make all the mistakes he this guy makes, and yet it's okay. Uh, so yeah, I think that turns me off as a fan, though, because when they treat you like an idiot, like you don't know what you're uh, looking at, yeah, you sort of get turned off here. But uh, you know, back to it. I'm a, I'm a ballpark guy as well. I love mm-hmm. ballparks. I can watch games. Like I hate watching games in Tropicana, in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. That's a joke to me. It's not a it's not a baseball. What field. about what about Oakland? Like you, you watch that's it. that like, was I, that was next, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I kind of like the A's in a way, like because uh, you know they were obviously they had a dynasty in the uh, early to mid '70s, which I was a you know I started following baseball kind of like right after that. But I, you know, I'm a historian too when it comes to baseball as well, and I was a, a big Reggie fan. So and he, and he came from that Oakland A organization. But it's kind of sad when you watch that mausoleum of a ballpark. You know, oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, but they won't let him move. Yeah, but but aren't they uh, in the process of getting maybe a possibility of? Uh, we, we've been hearing this for a decade, or? maybe more yeah. than a decade. Yeah, I heard the same thing that maybe they'll stay in the Oakland area, not San Jose. Because mm-hmm. the Giants won't let him go there, right. territorial rights and all that. But uh, that's another stadium that needs to be imploded. I don't like watching games on artificial turf. So the uh, yeah, whatever yeah, they yeah. The, whatever they call the Sky Dome, Rogers Center nowadays. Nope, can't yes. take that either. Yeah, mm-hmm. I need grass. I need outdoors and grass. I don't mind a retractable dome, but it seems mm-hmm. like we know whenever we in every place we have these retractable domes, they're always closed. <laughs> it's rare they're open. I understand it's hot in Miami. It's hot in Houston. All right. But they're always closed. Baseball should be played outdoors on the stuff that cows can eat. And you mentioned Rogers Center, so that gives us a little uh, way to segue into the, the uh, Blue Jays situation uh, with uh, Roberto Asuna put on administrative leave, uh, the uh, former uh, Blue Jays closer. Uh, what are we thinking about this? I mean, we saw Tyler Clippard. Uh, got the first crack at saves, but you and I, being Yankee fans, we we saw what he really is <laughs> when he was with the Yankee. I mean, uh, 1.3 ERA, walking over four batters per nine, though, right? So that FIP and the X FIP are over four, 100% strand rate. You like a high strand rate in your closer, but I mean, 100% obviously unsustainable. So uh, I was reading uh, part of your article, and, and you kind of think that O uh, might uh, kind of get a shot at it as well. What are you thinking? I mean, strange situation here. I mean, uh, with another uh, domestic assault uh, with Osuna, this came, of course, this came right out after I wrote the closer report, submitted this way <laughs> to redo it. Thank you so much. Um, I mean, who, first thing with playing game of, okay, who's going to be the closer? Right. You know, is it going to be Clippard? Is it going to be uh, Siong Huan Ho? Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Tapera? We didn't know. It seems to be Clippard, maybe, which is funny to me because I think the guy's terrible. But uh, it doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is, man, the Jays are bad. I know they beat the Red Sox last night, but this is not, not a good team. Stroman's on the deal. Sanchez can't seem to get out of his own way here. So uh, it does matter because all saves are important. Right? We mm-hmm. need them. So I get it here. Uh, how long is Osuna going to be out for? I mean, how, when's the suspension coming? Because uh, Manfred doesn't have to wait for a, uh, you know, to be decided in the court, just like uh, Goodell doesn't wait. He mm-hmm. can just suspend him almost whenever, whenever he wants now. You know, as soon as he, uh, I guess, has enough information. And how long will that suspension be? We've seen 51 games. We've seen 15 games. Or is it somewhere in between? 
Yeah, so this is, uh, I guess what we call a fluid situation, to put it nicely, of how yep, long yep. he uh, may or may not uh, be in for, out for, in for. So uh, if you're in a sooner owner, it's annoying. He was a top 10 closer coming in. You know, I and mean, that, that hurts to lose this guy. Uh, if I was to bet on who I'm going to claim, you know, I, I don't think this is, uh, see, it's, here's my problem. Just because Clifford got the first shot, you don't know if he, that means he's closing because what if the, he, the other guys just weren't available that night? Mm-hmm. You know, I stand where I'm going with here. And that, so he, he was the guy there. He did pitch last night as well. You know, uh, so I had not quite a safe situation in the game into, into extra innings. So I don't know if I – obviously, if I had to guess, I'd have to go Clippard. That's where the smart mm-hmm. money is. But uh, we should know more about this by uh, the next close report on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, it, it it is odd because as soon as the news came out, you know, it seems that every uh, fantasy analyst, you know, kind of touted a different name, you know. Uh, you know, Sun, Sun uh, Juan O, a former closer for the Cardinals. I mean, John Axford, 46 saves back in 2011 for the Brewers, right? I mean, uh, so it, it is tough. But if you had to put your uh, – make a waiver wire move, you'd, you'd put Clippard in, no? And I wouldn't be happy about it, Joe. And I'm yeah, I know, I know. You'd hold your I'm not spending big yeah. fab. Right. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not spending big fab. Uh, I might put a couple of dollars just mm-hmm. to keep people honest. But you, you already said it. I mean, every and you're right. Everybody had someone different. <laughs> Scott, yeah. Scott Engel and I talked about it. So we had someone different. Scott right, actually right. Uh, said Clippard. Or he mentioned Clippard's name. Uh, I believe I went uh, I went Ryan Tapera. I thought he was the, the mm-hmm. best reliever. But they didn't right. go that direction. And then uh, then O is what I think Rotowire came out with O a couple minutes after. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like I said, everybody was all over the place here. Which I is, think uh, if I had to know. put my – Yeah. I think if I had to make a move, I, I think I'd go O. But he's, but he's only pitching me, the sixth you know? and seventh inning. He's, yeah. That's all he's doing. So it does, it does look like he's in consideration right now. But I agree. I thought he might have been a, a good choice as well. In fact, I think on the close report, he might be the guy I have penciled uh, in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As from last week, because I thought, well, okay, former closer. You know, my, uh, I just I didn't see Clippers. I don't think he's very good. So mm, surprise. Exactly, yeah. I think Clippers also home run prone. Not really what you want in a closer in a one-run game here. So, surprise they went there. You know what this rings to me? That old saying about when you have two. What does it mean when you have two quarterbacks? It means you don't have any. Well, when right, you have four right. closers, I think that means you don't have any either. You know, I think this you could know, be I, a, a committee thing and, you know, the hot hand gets it. I'm wondering if that's the way baseball might be going. Because, I mean, when you look at, you know, Corey Knable just came back off the DL. Uh, had a hamstring strain, uh, gave up a home run his first game back. Then he uh, pitched the scoreless eighth inning. But that's the key. He pitched the scoreless eighth inning. Is he going to take his job back? I mean, the Brewers seem to be doing kind of fine with almost like a, a closer by committee. I mean, you had uh, Jeremy Jeffress earning saves, uh, Josh Hader. Amazing with the uh, 46 Ks and 22 innings pitched, multi-inning uh, saves. I mean, you know, it's a copycat sport, right? So, I mean... If uh, teams look at what the Brewers did and if the Brewers see that they've had uh, some success, any danger of that, like of the closer uh, spot turning into the, the, you know, the equivalent of the fantasy football running back where you have tons of uh, committee situations? The most overrated stat in baseball is save, is the save. It's, it is. I mean, in some ways, it's a worthless stat because I brought up the scenario before. I mean, you get stabbed three run, you're picking a three run lead the ninth inning. Arolas Chapman could come in. He's facing the seventh, eighth, and ninth hitters. The guys suck, and he's going to get a save for that. I mean, it's an overrated stat. In a perfect world, if I'm managing a baseball team, 
I want my relievers to come in the when I need them. I might need Chapman in the seventh. I got two left-handers coming up in the seventh. You know, right. and that's what I need Chapman in. That's when the game's on the line. We have a 5-4 lead in the seventh. First and second, one out. I need Chapman to come in and shut that down. The, there may be nothing going on in the eighth and ninth innings. So in a perfect world, that's what, uh, what you want. But if you, if you do that, hey, you're going to hear, oh, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to prepare for the role if I don't know what inning I'm going to be in. I don't know when to stretch and start. You know, give me a break. You're a professional athlete making millions of dollars. I think you should be okay with this. But you're going to hear Scott Boris all of a sudden start calling the GM and everybody else. Hey, you can't do this to my guy, man. He's not going to get paid now because he's not getting saved. That's the number we go by in these arbitration hearings. da 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 you know, it's gonna be, mm-hmm. the GMs will be bombarded with this, with phone calls, emails, text, smoke signals, the Pony Express, everything. And mm-hmm. uh, you're kidding yourself if you don't think this plays a part in it, that they, they don't want to deal with this because this is how these guys get paid. You know, I know we have this new, this new hold stat now, but that really hasn't taken really uh, a big-time effect on salaries. It might in the future, mm-hmm. but it hasn't yet. So right. uh, I, I do think, and I've, we once again, I've, Scott Mitchell and I have talked about this, Chris Mitchell and I have talked about this, about how I think most of us believe that's the way baseball should be run, mm-hmm. but it's so difficult to do, and not if you have a true closer. I mean, if you don't have one, you can do that, you know, because mm-hmm. once again, age you can't argue if you don't have if, if you don't have a guy who's if you, if you don't have anybody who's worthy of the closer. But mm-hmm. Knievel's already had the job, and he was supposed to be, you know, a top five closer this year. Uh, I don't see that. I see how that's going to work out. I think, uh, as far as Corey Knievel is concerned, they're just trying to work him in, you know, make sure he's back, make sure he's his arms healthy. Uh, maybe his first appearance, maybe his first two, maybe his first three appearances won't be high leverage. But I think eventually, yes, he's getting the closer job back. Even though I, I, I said I don't think it's the right way to run a baseball team, but mm-hmm. most of them do. Mm-hmm. And you bring up Araldis Chapman, you know, let's say uh, if you needed him to come into the seventh, you know, bring him in. And, and you know, the Yankees have a unique situation where, you know, I know Dell and Patances has been slumping lately, but you have three potential closers on that team. You know, Daniel Robertson has been an effective closer, uh, and even Patances at times has been used as a closer. So the Yankees kind of have that, you know, unique situation where they literally could have, <laughs> you know, three different guys close out a ninth inning for them. Yeah, I mean, in the perfect world, because the Yankees, uh, I, I know they got Chase and Shreve, who's really a pretty bad relief pitcher, but uh, as they're only on the left-hander, but they're, you know, Chapman, like I said, a lot of times you'd, they're, the game's on the line in the seventh, and we got lefties coming up. I know uh, Batantis can get out lefties and so can Robertson, but you wouldn't mind seeing a 102-mile-an-hour flamethrowing left-hander up there. Uh, so the, uh, lately, he doesn't have any idea where that bull's going, it seems like, sometimes. I'd be, uh, I'd be quaking in my boots if I was left-hander, or right-hander, for that matter. So he's, mm-hmm. what, he hit Jackie Bradley the other day with a 103.3 miles-an-hour pitch. Yeah. Yikes! That can't yeah. feel good at all. But then again, yeah, the- it might be the only thing Bradley's hit all week. Yeah, that's, he's got to get on base somehow, and he's sacrificed your body for the team, right? He certainly did. Uh, and didn't play the next couple of days. I think he was just benched. I don't think it was really because of the injury because he hasn't been hitting all year. Like I said, it's a perfect world sort of thing, Joe. And we all know it's not going to happen. You know, the Yankees didn't pay uh, Chapman $86 million to come in in the seventh inning. But as I say mm-hmm. it again, although there's no stat for it, I guess you could, there could be a hold. And that's A lot of times that's when the game's on the line. The ninth inning, you know, you're up three runs. You're facing the bottom of the order. It just doesn't matter. I understand that's not the case in all of them. Maybe it's also a one-run lead in top of the order. Sure, and that that's more likely a save. But, uh, you know, a guy who gets 45 saves, probably a third of them are like ho-hums. You know, there was never any doubt here. So right. uh, it's a perfect world sort of thing. But it's uh, we don't see it. We just don't see it in today's baseball. And I have my doubts that we ever will. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you do a great job with that closer report. It comes out what day every week? Yeah, I write it on Tuesdays. It's generally uh, published uh, sometime uh, Tuesday evening at some point. It really mm-hmm. depends on, uh, you know, if I get it. I try and get it as early as possible before the game starts. Generally, generally, there are no day games Tuesday, so we try and get it up by 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time when the uh, games start that night. There you go. Great read. Uh, so which team do you think has the most fluid closer situation? Like if you had to, maybe this week, uh, our listeners are going on the waiver wire looking for the next closer and waiting. Anybody come to mind real quick? Uh, maybe that White Sox situation? Well, the White Sox, I expect them to make a trade eventually, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They're not really playing for this year. So Joaquin Soria, I think that's why he, ha- he is the closer. Because they wanted to, you know, closers, if you could trade them during the season, have more value. So they'd like to trade Soria. Nate Jones is really the, the best pitcher they have here. Uh, I wondered about Vizcaino coming into the season, not so much now with Atlanta contending. Rasil Iglesias, Cincinnati. I wonder if he could be dealt eventually. What's going to his team playing for absolutely nothing? And you don't need right. a closer when you're that bad. So I think he could be dealt. Shane Green could be the same thing there. These are if you're looking for speculative closers down the line. Houston's a mess. But Ken mm-hmm. Giles, and it was strange that in that Yankee series when Giles imploded, Will Harris got the next save chance, not Peacock, not Davinsky. So that was surprising to say the least here. So there are always situations to keep an eye on here. Uh, I, I say it every year. The 50, the 30 closes in spring training, half of them won't have a job by the All-Star break. There you go. They're a tough, tough spot to fill. Uh, why don't we switch gears? Hour two is coming up. We'll be talking some fantasy football for you. Stay with us on Weekend Fantasy Update.